Okay, happy Easter to uh, everyone out there listening. My name is Eric Vellum, and I uh, am with the uh, Christ Only Ministries, spreading the word of God and His Christ throughout the world and beyond. Uh, before we get into the message, say a quick prayer. Um, that we could get a blessing upon the Word and upon ourselves. Father, we uh, thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for waking us up this morning. And, uh, Father, uh, being able to in- enjoy another uh, another day here. Uh, Father, we just uh, keep in mind that today is uh, we celebrate Easter. And, uh, Lord, we just uh, thank you for that day. And uh, thank you for that event, and thank you for the hope that it gives us. Father, I just pray that um, you would bless this message, bless these words, that it would, of course, accomplish what you have uh, set out for them to do. And, uh, Father, that they would not be my words, but they would be words uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, Father, I just ask you to bless those who are listening, Lord, that they might receive it, and... uh, Lord, that they uh, might be inspired by it and uh, come to know you uh, deeper and uh, more fully and just uh, love you all the more. So, Father, we just thank you for this day and uh, and everything that's in it. We just ask you to bless the word in us. And we just pray this in our Lord's precious name. Amen. So, uh, today is uh, Resurrection Day. Easter, the resurrection is, after all, is our faith. Uh, it's the crux of our faith. And uh, so if you're assuming that I'm going to do an Easter message, a message on the resurrection, you would be correct, because that's what I'm going to do. Because the resurrection to me is uh, the event, uh, the all-encompassing and glorious event of history. You know, week after week we come to church and uh, we go to church and and uh, we proclaim our faith and we say our prayers and uh, we sing songs and we sing hymns and we recite the creeds and we take communion, we baptize, we listen to sermons, and they're all pointing us and leading us to that saving knowledge of Christ. And you know, it's, it's, that's all good. That's the way it should be. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And uh, the message is, is that Christ uh, suffered, died, and was uh, brought into life again by the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it teaches, we uh, learn about the resurrection and, uh, and Jesus' ministry in various and sundry ways. But you know, it's, it's like we go to church week after week, and, and sometimes these things, these messages that we hear, these creeds that we recite, these songs that we sing, it's, it's as though we're just singing them, and we're just kind of absentmindedly going through it, and we're not giving it really... The thought that it, that we should, that it deserves, and becomes kind of rote. It becomes kind of a uh, 
automatic thing. You're saying the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, and your, or our minds aren't sometimes there. We're just saying the words, and we're thinking about uh, how am I going to get to the, the kids to their softball or baseball game on time and what time do you think the pastor might be done because I don't want to look rude and rush out of here but you know the, I've got I've got appointments so anyhow it, it's like these things just uh, they become automatic and we just say them and um, and they, they kind of lose their power and so you know like I said the Lord's Prayer and 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 stuff like and uh, other things that the, the creed that we're uh, so often asked to repeat. So it becomes automatic, it becomes rote, it lo- kind of loses its power, and we're not really thinking about it. And some of the messages that we hear, we've heard them before, and we're not really thinking about it. And we nod our heads, and if somebody asks us what we just nodded our head about, you say, oh, I don't know, you nodded your head, so I nodded mine. So, uh, you know that's just the way we are, and uh, you know, and and I've done it. We've all done it, and so everything sort of just you know flattens out, and uh, we're not really thinking about things. And um, but you know, this morning, I think the resurrection is like that. It's like we hear it so often, we really don't really take it into our take it into our being and understand what's really being said or what's really being claimed and really what the the crux of the whole thing is and 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 all the ideas and all the meaning behind it and everything it shows us about our past and the present and the future we it it just kind of all blends together and we're not really taking it in because we hear it so often and and we don't really concentrate on it but today I really want to concentrate on what that resurrection uh, means what it implies, what it has done, what it uh, helps us to understand, the peace it can give us, the hope it can give us. Uh, I just, I, I want to get into that, and uh, so this resurrection faith, it, it, it starts really right back to um, Abraham and Isaac when, when, when uh, you know, Paul writes that that. Uh, uh, Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac, and uh, because he believed that God would, uh, you know, because the, the nations were promised by God to Abraham that through Isaac there would be great nations, and he's thinking to himself, "Well, if I kill Isaac, how's this going to happen?" So anyhow, he's thinking to him, "Okay, by faith I shall slay my son, and he'll have to raise him from the dead because there can't be any nations produced through this dead man." So anyhow, it must have been a very difficult time for him, and and, and just uh, just a crazy time. He was been, been asked by God to slay his son, and whom he loves, and and uh, so there he is. He's up and and at this place, he's he's about to put his son to death, and the angel says to him, "No, Abraham, don't do it." And right then and there, we see the the uh, there's a uh, there's a there's a lamb there, and and just out of nowhere. And he's, he and he's to slay that, spare your son, Abraham, and slay that Lamb of God right there. And that right there is a is a shadow of the things to come. That right there is a is a is a um, is a little teaser into the resurrection. That 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 the true resurrection, the real resurrection that is about to come. That that 
that Lamb of God will be slain. And also in that whole uh, scenario of Abraham and his son Isaac is that whole resurrection, that whole sacrificial uh, um, idea and that event being played out. But, 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 all, but it's a shadow of the things to come. So it starts right there, you know. God gives us this this uh, this vision into what He's planning that that uh, through the sacrifice of that one son that 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 uh, that Abraham loved so much, He's going to bring forth a people, and 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 that's what you know ultimately happened in Christ that that the son that God loved so much, He will love, uh, He will cause to be. The sacrificial lamb. So the resurrection faith starts right there. And the, the resurrection for me uh, verifies two things. Alright, uh, the first thing that it verifies for me is that the resurrection confirms that Jesus is who he says he is. If he's, he, you know, he's making these these outrageous claims uh, to the to the Jews, and and uh, you know that that I'm that I am the Son of God, and he's showing miracles, and in, and he's doing incredible things, and he's and he's putting himself on 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 the, on the level of God, and he's inflaming these uh, these um these Pharisees and these leaders and the Sadducees and and uh, Sanhedrin and all the leaders of the Jews. He's just he's just you know he's just causing their blood to boil with the things that he's saying and and so we have to look at this and all these claims and all these claims that jesus makes just seem so outrageous but in that resurrection does he not prove that he is exactly who he says he is that he is the king of kings that he is the lord of lords that he is the lord of hosts that he is the promised one, that he is the one, that he is the Christ? Does not that resurrection confirm every word that that, that guy has said? Otherwise, um, otherwise, Jesus' words just become philosophical thoughts, or they become insane rantings, or they be, be, become the mumblings of a, of a madman who's got this um, Messiah complex. Or he's he's offering words of wisdom like Gandhi or Buddha or or the Hindu faith, which might all possess a a, uh, a certain amount of wisdom, but but there's no authority behind what they say. And in that resurrection, Jesus Christ is proving his authority. My words are true because I have been resurrected from the dead. You know what else can I do to prove that I am who I say that I am? That I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. And through me you have redemption. Through me you have the hope and the promise of eternal life. Because I have shown you. I have shown you that it's true. It's possible that the things that the poets dreamed of, that the people dreamed of, and, and, the, and, the, and, and the scribes imagined, and everybody's, you know, got their own mythology about eternal life, and, and, the, and the phoenix rising out of the ashes, and all these stuff like that, and all these myths that were created, of, and the pharaohs mummifying themselves, and, and putting stuff that they want to go to heaven with them, in their, in their, um, in their tombs, all these things, there are but, but a shadow of the truth. And in Jesus Christ, we see the fulfillment of all those dreams and all those hopes and all those imaginings of eternal life as not just some fantasy, 
from the, from our imaginations, but it is the truth. It's 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 the it's the word has been put in us that we have this hope of eternal life, and it's true because Christ has proved it to be true. It's not just some fanciful notions we have. The resurrection is the proof that there is eternal life to be had. That God wants to establish us in His kingdom. That all these imaginings of, of all these poets and scribes and people who like to think it's it's. It's true. It's not just a story. The resurrection has proved that. And he stands now as the truth. Everything he says is true. For he is the truth. I am the truth. I am the life and I am the way. So that resurrection stands as the proof that gives us hope. The the hope of glory as God's power and love are poured out on us. And the resurrection stands up to historical scrutiny. You know, you can nitpick it, and you can, and you can go, and you can do this, and you can be a, 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 a critic of the, of the Bible and, and, and try to push this point and try to push that point, but it's all come to vain. The resurrection still stands as a, as a, as a, as a legitimate event so in that resurrection Jesus is proving that he is who he says he is that he's not some madman that he's not some some magician that he's not some some uh, some demented individual promising things that he can't deliver and stirring up people's hopes and stirring up people's passions for no good reason other than to inflame them and and do whatever. And if the resurrection isn't true, maybe the, the Romans' punishment, the crucifixion, was justified. But because the resurrection is true, that he is the truth and the life and the way, I am the resurrection, he says. Indeed, he is. It just proves God to be true and us to be false. And you know, um, as we step back and contemplate the resurrection, uh, I'd like to take take a quote from a book um, that I read by Hans Kung, K-U-N-G. And for the Catholics out there, he's a kind of a controversial figure. I know that some consider him a heretic, and some consider him uh, outside the boundaries because of some of the things that, that he says and, and writes. And it's true, he... Uh, he does test the edges of what's of, of what's acceptable, and and most of his writings that don't fall within proper doctrine and dogma to me are just uh, are just they're just not sustainable. He he's he's going off on a tangent that he that can't be that can't be uh, nailed down. So, but anyhow, I mean, uh, he he. Uh, Define the resurrection, and this is one of the things that I think he does beautifully, and he does a real service to Christians. Uh, you know, unlike some of the other stuff that he he talks about, and this is how he puts it. He describes the resurrection as this: as life that bursts through the dimensions of space and time, and God's invisible, imperishable, incomprehensible domain. This is what is meant by heaven. Not the heaven of the astronauts, but God's heaven. It means going into reality, not going out 
and it is first in importance. That is the resurrection. That is a good explanation. Going into reality, not going out of it. Bursting forth into, into something that is eternal and divine that we share with God. It's, it, it, you know, we go from some, uh, a semi-state of life into true life, as Jesus put it. I will give you life, he says, and he'll give us real life, true life. This is the true life that he, that he, uh, that he um, assures us of. Not a life that's going to end, that we have to worry about going around every corner and meeting the end of our life. You know, every corner, we, every street we cross, everything we do, it's like we're trying to avoid death. It's like our whole lives are just concentrated around avoiding death. Well, this life isn't going to be like that. This life is bursting forth into a true and eternal and ever, everlasting reality. Into the life of God who does not change, who is imperishable, who is immutable, who is, who is uh, divine, who is um, omnipotent, omniscient. He allows us to share in that through this resurrection. I mean, that's incredible to me. That's what true life is. And, 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 and sometimes it's hard to hold on to that vision, but it's there and it's our hope and it's our strength. And it's the truth Though sometimes it just, just seems fantastical. But it's true. Our earthly lives are, 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 are just almost like we're living in a cocoon. We're a seed of ready to be buried. We're, we're, we're in a stage of metamorphosis, you know, wrapped in a cocoon, ready for the real life, getting ready, getting prepared for the real life that will burst forth into an invisible, imperishable, incomprehensible domain. How glorious is that? All of us who are nobodies in this earth, on this earth, and in this life, who have no political power, we have no social power, no cultural power, we're just a common people. We're gonna, we have the opportunity to grasp something so beautiful and powerful, to sit at the right hand of God with His Son, He has reserved, or he has, he has promised to all men, not just those of high position and those who, who know everything and those who have all the degrees, but it's the common man that he seeks as well. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden and weary, and I will give you rest, rest for your souls. I will give you eternal life, for I am the resurrection. Us nobodies, struggling with everyday problems and everyday issues, Financial and otherwise, God, God glory, God promises a glory that we cannot comprehend. We will be beautiful creatures with with just unlimited power and just just sharing in the divinity of God. He will make us gods with a small g. Us common know nothings that have no power, no influence. We don't sit in a White House. We don't sit in palaces. We don't sit in the councils of the of the wise. In fact, most of us are, as some would say, deplorables. That's how they see us, as benighted, know-nothings. But we're on to something, those who, who have the Spirit of Christ 
in them. We await a glory that they know nothing about at this moment. So anyhow, that's the first thing that um, the resurrection proves. Or the resurrection means that Jesus is who he says he is. All of his words, all of his thoughts, we can take him to the bank because he proved it on, on Easter. He proved that he is who he says he is. He's not a rambling lunatic. Or he's not a, a, a philosopher. Or he's not a, a, a mystic. Or whatever. He is who he is. He says he is. He is the Son of God. And he is the resurrection. And he is the way and the truth and the life. And that anybody who so, so, so ever should believe in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. It's the promise from Christ. It's the promise from the Father. The second thing I'd like to say about this is that as the resurrection becomes true to us, and we accept it in all its glory and we understand it, this event in this tiny little know-nothing nation or this, no, not know nothing, but this unknown nation that's a pain in the neck to the Roman Empire that is filled with, with, with uh, uh, religious zealots who, 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 uh, who um, sacrifice and, and, and live according to, to the words of some strange God that here happens the resurrection, which has got to be the most outrageous, incredible, and powerful event this world has ever witnessed. This is the event. This is it. You know, it's like the cartoon there, uh, Warner Brothers. This is it, the night of nights. No more rehearsing or learning our parts. This is the event of events. The resurrection is, is, is everything. When Jesus reveals himself as the one, all of our accomplishments, all of man's campaigns, all of our military victories and our cultural victories, and everything that man brings to the table, it all pales into near insignificance held up to the light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything becomes nearly meaningless except acts of faith, hope, and love. And that's all directed at our resurrection, and the resurrection of Christ. All of man's campaigns, all of his, all of, uh, you know, Alexander the Great, and, and, and uh, Hannibal, and, and all the Roman emperors, and everything else, they lay in their graves in the dust. All their great plans have come to nothing. All their campaigns, and they lie dead in the grave. But Jesus Christ did not lie dead in that grave, but he arose bodily in the resurrection. And he proved that he is like no other. And that that is our destiny. If we will just take hold of it and accept it in faith and humility. This is the event. This everything now has to center around the resurrection, whether the world know, whether the world knows it or not. As Jesus says something like, "The world must know that the Father loves me, and that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me." The world must learn this, 
and we're still in the process of learning it, one soul by one soul. It's a long and tedious process, but mankind has got to find out, has got to discover that truth, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and He offers us hope beyond hope. He offers us life beyond life. And it changes everything for the, for the believer. You know, all of our knowledge, all of our progress, all of our scientific endeavors, I mean, they, you know, they're, they're nice, and they're good, and, and uh, I suppose all of our cultural accomplishments and all of our great works of art and all our great works of philosophy and all that the man, and like I said before, all that man brings to the, ta- to the table just pales into insignificance because this is our destiny. This is what God has planned from the beginning. He wants us to share in His divinity. He wants the company of a multitude of people in His heaven. He loves us. And He desires our friendship and our love and our company. The resurrection is brought into reality only that which for thousands of years mystics could only surmise and poets only dream and people only hope for. And it says in Isaiah, as he prophecies about the, the resurrection, he says there's going to come a day where, where God will pull back the blanket, the covering that covers all men. And he's speaking of death. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cold, wet blanket that is cast over all of humanity. And it just, just crushes everything. It crushes our dreams, it crushes our hopes, it crushes everything. Our death or the death of our loved ones, it's just, it's just such a burden on us. And we go around day after day trying to avoid it the best we can. We drive carefully, we eat right, we do this and we do that. All in the efforts to stave off this dreaded curse. Death defines our lives to such an extent, I don't even think we, we realize to what extent. I mean, we, we go through exercise routines, you know, and, and torture ourselves for an hour and a half so that we might gain another day of life at the end of it or lead a healthy life right up to the day we die. I don't know how you can do that because at some point you have to become an unhealthy to die unless you die in an accident. But anyhow... He gives us hope beyond death. Death is such a... It's, uh, to be colloquial about it, it's such a bummer. You know, and, and, the, and you know, it's like, the older I get, of course, you know, the nearer that, that event that seemed so impossible when I was young, you know, it becomes more and more of a reality. And I don't know, if I didn't have faith in Christ and I didn't really truly believe in the resurrection, what hope would I have? I mean, what what would I look forward to? What would I comfort myself with? Oh, uh, I'm going to leave my children lots of money. Or, oh, this or all that. But if, but actually, what you're looking at is an uh, extinction. <laughs> Nobody wants that. We hate that idea. But in that resurrection, that powerful, awesome event, God has defeated death. That's the last enemy, it says, that, 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 that was to be defeated. And it's death. And we have hope of life. 
after this natural life that we lead now, we can we move on into real life, into a spiritual life, into a life incomprehensible and beautiful and eternal. Never worrying about death again. Never shedding another tear. Never, never entertaining a a a a, a bad thought. Just living in a state of 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 just consistent joy happy where we are happy in the presence of God and happy probably in the presence of whatever uh, whoever went before us and of the angels Isaiah said it's like a scroll that will be rolled back and it will reveal eternity and eternal life is a gift from God all everything we do and think now has to be considered through the context of that promise of eternal life as displayed to us through Jesus Christ on this day, Easter. It's an awesome message. It really is. It's an awesome event. And, and, um, oh, I love it. It just answers. It just ties up all the loose ends of, of, of life. I mean, doesn't it? When you realize that, that this resurrection and the hope and the promise that it has for us, it just ties everything up. It just, it just, you know, it just makes sense now. Life makes sense that there is purpose, there is destiny, there is something for us that God wants us to grab hold of. We're not just living to die, but we're living to live. And not only that, in the Christian sense... We're putting to death our natural selves so that our spiritual life may live. So not, not only are we living, but we're dying as well. We're dying into Christ. We're dying into the resurrection. So everything we do in this life has meaning. Either, either every thought and deed that we have is, is, uh, is preparing us for communion with Jesus and purifying our souls or molding us in, or in the process of molding our souls into something, something pleasing to God or every thought and every action we take is, 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 is in the process of trying to mold our, our souls into something bitter and ugly and vile and, in, and incapable of accepting and responding to God's love. Either the raising of Jesus into this other, into this other life and dimension is all of this and more. It's just so incredible and so beautiful as to demand our whole soul, or it's nothing. It's a big lie that deserves only our contempt. As Paul says, if Christ is not raised from the dead, our faith is futile, and we still live in ignorance and in our sins. And, 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 and to paraphrase him, we're all fools for celebrating and, 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 and listening to this message. And you know what? I'm the biggest fool of all because I'm here talking about it and preaching it. If he's not been, been raised from the dead, what's the point of all this? Eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow is, uh, could be your extinction. And he says, if we believe that there is no resurrection of the dead, and, and, and uh, you know, as Christians, we are to be pitied more than anybody, he says, for believing such a preposterous things, but for putting, for putting our lives on the line for this message, for putting our reputations on the line. We're to be pitied more than anybody. 
I mean, right there in Romans, if you want to see read a really good, you know, uh, apologia, I'll call it, for uh, the resurrection. I mean, it's right there, starting in 15.1 and going throughout the whole chapter. I would read it, but I don't have time. I'll leave that to you. So anyhow, you know, there it is. It's like, you know, the resurrection is true, and if it's not true, what are we doing, you know? Paul says, well, if it's not true, then, I, then I'm a liar, and I'm lying about God. Here I am, I'm, I'm supposed to be a, a Pharisee, and I've devoted my life to, to the Jewish faith, and, and now the Christian faith, and you really think I'm going to be lying about God, really? No. He's not lying about God. He's not lying about the resurrection. Because he knows it's true, and he knows it's a word that has to go out there. And that every soul that would, that would accept it will find eternal life in that event. So it's, you know, the resurrection is either a great big lie and we're all to be pitied because there's no hope for us, or it is the event. It is the truth. It is the way. It can't be any other way. It's got to be one or the other. And, and all of us have to make that choice. It's like I said in one sermon, Jesus says to all of us, who do you say that I, that I am? And for those of us who say that, you know, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, it's been revealed to us by the Father. And for those who of us who say the resurrection is true, and it's real, and it's a hope and a promise that we're going to stake our lives on because we know it's true. That too has been revealed to you by the Father and not by men. So this resurrection is just not, oh, well, that's cool, he's raised from the dead. No, no, it is, it is the event of human history. It is the event, you know, uh, out of this small nation from a, from a, from a small uh, town, you know, one person going around and, 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 and gathering, oh, oh, you know, the Romans must look at this as petty stuff. You know, it just as, as today we, we would look at that as petty stuff. Who is this little character? But no, it's not. It is the fulfillment of human history. It is the event. The redemption of all creation. It's here, but not here yet. God wants us to know, as Paul says, he wants us to know the power of his resurrection. And we'll have to share in the fellowship of his sufferings to become like him in his death so that somehow we may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Paul doesn't know how it gets done. It's a mystery to him too. God is a mystery. He counts all things as rubbish compared to the glory of knowing Christ. Consider everything as a loss. So this resurrection is either man's ultimate hope, is worth everything, it's worth anything, or it's nothing. There's no lukewarm middle ground. We dying to nothingness, or we dying to the die into an absolute first and last reality.
The resurrection is our hope and our glory and our promise. Jesus tells us over and over not to be afraid. Do not worry. Do not fret. Do not succumb to the pressures of sins of this world. Why? Because we have a new home to look forward to. That we can call our own. Jesus is there now preparing a place for us. Here we will no longer be slaves to the powers of war against our soul. No longer slaves. We are free. Because the truth has set us free. Despair, loneliness, hurt, anger, sin, lust, envy, pride. And now even death have been destroyed by his resurrection. And it's a power and a lesson that we can draw upon in this earthly life. It's an overcoming faith. It's snatching victory from from uh, from 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 defeat. I mean, look at it. I mean, it must have looked to the disciples, to his apostles, and to the and to anybody that witnessed this event. This must have been the absolute. The crucifixion and his death must have been the absolute uh, crushing to their souls and their spirits. They must have been left in utter despair. And I think they forgot everything that Jesus had promised them before. In the agony of this event. And in the agony they saw their, their Savior and their, and their loved one go through. And the death. And they looked at him and they said, Dead is dead. And we will never see him again. But there on that resurrection day, he first appears to uh, Mary Magdalene, I believe. And, and, it's, just, and it's just so heartwarming that she doesn't know who he is and he's talking to her and he's and finally he reveals himself and and it's like rabboni my teacher it is you it is really you how could this be how could my beloved Savior, who was dead as dead could be. How is it that you are standing here before me, comforting me? I love that story of Mary Magdalene. You know, where have have you seen him? Have you seen him, the Lord, that that that, that I might tend to his body? And he says her name. And she recognizes him. Oh my gosh. Put yourself in that spot. Beautiful. So out of any circumstance that we feel is hopeless, that can't be, nothing can come of it, by the resurrection, we can see that, that the most miserable of circumstances can be redeemed and transformed into wonderful opportunities for God to show His love for us, to God, for God to correct us, for God to 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 reveal something about Himself, and we all re- receive this these these shadows of a resurrection of itself, going from despair to hope in God, because God has shown us something. How many times has He corrected us and left us in despair? But we know that over time, we can look back and say, "Oh, thank you, Lord, for doing that to me," because man, I was I, I was off the rails. But at the time it was painful. And we wanted nothing to do with it. 
And so we are more than conquerors in all these things, because through faith we know that all things work towards the good for all those who love God and are called to His purposes. Through Christ's sufferings and resurrection, we can now see life's trials and life's tribulations as an opportunity. I mean, maybe right in the middle of it, we it's hard to say, okay, this is an opportunity. I understand that. You know, that's just, that's just, it doesn't really work like that. But if we just hold on by faith, and we just hold on to the promises of God, we will see whatever event that has so troubled us, God can make it work for the good. And He will make it for the work for the good. For those who love Him and trust Him. But if you don't, then your miserable circumstances is all there is. You have to bear with it now. And I'm getting long here on the sermon. So I'm going to try to wrap this up. Oh, boy. Okay. Anyhow. So I, I hope, you know, I'm getting this resurrection and the beauty and the power and the majesty and the just the, the, the seminal event of human history. I'm, I hope I'm getting that through to you. That life is a refining fire, and and, and uh, I guess Frederick Nietzsche, who uh, is a very disagreeable character, a 19th century philosopher, who was a stone cold atheist, he says that which does not kill me only strengthens me. In Christ, we can say that. Okay, that is true. That is true. I don't know if in regular life, because uh, you know, there's things that I've done that I don't think they strengthen me at all. But anyhow, in Christ, it can be true. That which does not kill us, kills us can strengthen us. And Paul says, uh, or James says, Consider it pure joy, my brother, whenever you face many trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature, not lacking in anything. And it's, it's in that assurance that the resurrection is true, and that Jesus is who he says he is, and that his words are true and, and real, and his words are true life and real life. It's, it's, it's because of that that we can take hope and that we can learn perseverance in our trials. That hope of the resurrection brings life out of death. It transforms burdens into forging instruments wielded by God to mold us into His likeness. It turns us from the power of Satan to the power of God. It brings courage to the fearful. It brings hope to the hopeless. It brings strength to the weak. It brings eternity eternity to the temporal. It brings righteousness to the sinner and salvation to the lost. It brings us from a life of fear and sin and self-indulgence to a life of love and power. It gives us the powers to say no to the things that war against our soul and to say yes to the God who loves us. Yes to the to to, to forgiveness and yes to hope and joy and the, the fruits of the spirit. For what will it profit us to gain the whole world and all of its riches but lose our soul? So this resurrection, this is our birthright. This is our heritage. And don't be like Esau who gave up his whole birthright for that little pot of porridge. How often are we tempted to do that? To give it all up for a little pot of porridge that that feels good for now. But he gives away his birthright and he, and, he, and he begs for it back and he can't get it because he gave it away because he was hungry
And after everything is said and done, after man has exhausted himself with every type of government and in all of his imaginations, this is the resurrection and the hope of eternal life is the only thing that really matters. I hate to say it, but it's true. It's true. Man is exhausting himself with his technology, exhausting himself with every form of government we try to try to create to create a sort of utopia on earth. We're exhausting ourselves with, with our scientific research and our constant search for something that God gives us willingly, but we won't accept it. We're too fearful of, of that that it might not be true. And so we spend all kinds of money trying to trying to invent great ways to live a God, peaceful and great life on earth when 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 it's it just cannot be and God gives us a hope into an eternity that is that is beyond anything we could ever create here on earth we're exhausting ourselves with our technology my goodness it's, it's like it's like it's just this never-ending search for one thing after another hoping that this will finally break us out of our out of our releases from our curse the curse of a different difficult life and and to just end in death but they can and it won't it won't because it can't but God gives us a promise and a hope of eternal life with him we just have to hang on by faith to that promise. And these three things abide. Faith, love, and hope. And the greatest of these is love. Christ overcame the law of sin and death. And he bids us to do the same. So like Paul, let us yearn to know Christ and let us all encourage and help one another to know him in the power of his resurrection so that we may all attain to that resurrection he promises and receive our inheritance as sons and daughters, our birthright as daughters of God in which the universe shall proclaim the glory and the love of God. For this is our living hope, this is our joy, this is our promised inheritance. For don't you know that the power that raised Christ from the very de- from the dead is the very power now that works in us and all those who seek ask, knock and find the world and all its treasures are here today and gone tomorrow but the eternal life is obviously because it's eternal it is forever and so everything that we put our faith and hope in now is destined for the, uh, the earthly things anyhow is destined for the fire and there's only one thing that remains eternal and that is our hope in Christ God's promises God's word his demonstration of his love for us his sacrificial love in that resurrection in this Easter day so try to hold those thoughts in mind as you go through this day and not only this day but it's a message for every day because we live every day in that hope of the resurrection we don't have to despair you know it gets t- difficult at times as we age and, and, and uh, you know we think about the things that we're, you know, eventually we're going to have to leave behind but we have something fantastic to look forward to 
Just something that, that, that will take all that fear that we had and it will just transform it into glory. And that is our own resurrections and our own life in Christ with God. And as we, God reveals all of His beauty and His treasures to us and, and his, his, his just inscrutable ways that, that, that would, you could have forever beyond forever and never ever get to the bottom of who God is and what He offers and how He loves us and the things that, that, that He means and does. He will, he will be a, a glory to behold forever. And that resurrection holds that promise for us. He wants us to be where He is. So that was a pretty long one. Sorry. Uh, I hope you got something out of it. Um, the resurrection. Oof. Okay, so... Uh, let us pray, and then I shall read from Ephesians, and then I will let you carry on with, uh, with your day. Hopefully pondering the resurrection. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this uh, message. Father, we just uh, thank you for the hope of eternal life that is in you through this resurrection, through the power of this resurrection. How you did it, nobody knows. Uh, it's inscrutable. It's unknowable. But Father, all things are possible in you, and we just uh, praise you, and and, and and we just praise your power and, and your love and, and the hope that you give us through your Son Jesus. That this is your will that we should that we should live with you, that we shall dine with you, that we shall share in your divine power as uh, as um, more than conquerors. And and uh, Father, we shall wear our own crowns, and we shall be kings as well. And uh, and. and so we thank you, and we thank you for that hope that, that you put in us. We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you did to us. We praise your holy name, and we pray all this in the precious and beautiful and wonderful name of our Lord and our Savior, our God, our King, our hope, our rock, our foundation, Jesus Christ. Amen. And for this reason, Paul writes in Ephesians, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. I love you all in Christ. I hope uh, uh, that this uh, puts some peace in your heart, some hope in your heart, and uh, have a good week. I'll get back to you uh, soon, within the week. God bless you all. And so I bid you adieu.